These things says he who is holy, who is true. He who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews, and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. O Lord, have mercy upon us. And our third reading is in the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 22nd chapter. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day, before you will deny three times that you know me. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Deliver me, O Lord, my God, for you are the God of my salvation. In you, O Lord, do I put my trust. Leave me not, O Lord, my God. Thank you. 
In the name of Jesus, amen. And lead us not into temptation. We have received so many good things from God. We have received sonship, our Father's name, that his will is done among us. He gives us daily as well as spiritual bread. He forgives us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us, even to this very day. The devil, the world, and our flesh, though defeated, are not destroyed. We still face temptations in this world, which seek to deceive and mislead us. And even here, God will not leave us to our own devices, but he gives us the very words to pray. Tonight we learn that God tempts no one, but uses temptation to bring about his victory. God tempts no one. What a beautiful sentence this is. God does not desire the death of the sinner. As our first reading says, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. No man was created to suffer eternal hell. No man was predestined to go to hell, to suffer God's wrath for all eternity. No, this Holy Scriptures teach again and again and again, that God has not destined us for wrath. John 3.16 reveals that God loved the world in this way, that he sent his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Matthew 18.11 says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. Luke 19.10 says the very same thing. 1 Timothy 2.4 says that God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And when St. Peter is writing in 2 Peter 3.9 about the end of the world and the final judgment, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Even the Old Testament is very clear on this point. God, through the prophet Ezekiel, says, Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? No, dear Christian, God has not destined us for wrath. God tempts no one. God tempts no one because he wants us to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. What powerful and comforting words these are. This teaching excludes no repentant sinner. Instead, this teaching calls and it draws all poor, burdened, and troubled sinners to repentance, to a recognition of their sins, and to faith in Christ. It promises the Holy Spirit for renewal. This teaching gives the most reliable comfort to troubled, tempted people that they may know that their salvation does not rest in their own hands. God desires their salvation. Otherwise, at every moment, we would lose it quicker than Adam and Eve did. Instead, we are comforted and encouraged because our salvation rests in the gracious election of God which he has revealed to us in Christ, out of whose hand no one can snatch us.
Christ says in John chapter 10, verses 27 to 29, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. God tempts no one. He does not desire the death of the sinner. He desires all people to be saved. The Bible teaches this. The explanation given in Luther's small catechism proclaims this. So what about Pharaoh? God hardened his heart, right? What about Hophni and Phinehas, the judge Eli's sons? Didn't God want to kill them, which is why they didn't heed their father? What about King Ahab? Didn't God put a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets? Didn't God lead them into temptation? Well, the answer to this is very clear. Paul says it in Romans chapter 1. People have no excuse, and yet they committed great ungodliness and sin. They even went so far as to suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. And so what does God do? He gives them what they want. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. When the perverse will of man rejects preaching and teaching and resists the Holy Spirit who operates through the Word, God eventually gives that man what he wants. Look at Pharaoh. Read the text closely. God hardened Pharaoh's heart because of his previous sin and his horrible tyranny. Pharaoh arrogantly rebelled against every admonition every single warning, and God finally withdrew his hand from him. The same is true of Ahab, who was given so many warnings and so many promises throughout his life. The same was true of Hophni and Phinehas, who were worthless men, and they despised God's word. This is what happens when God's word is treated as if it were nothing, as if it were a trifle. These cases should not be interpreted as if God did not want to grant them salvation. God tempts no one. Now those cases make sense. As King David said in the Spirit, with the pure, God shows himself pure. With the devious, God shows himself shrewd. Man hardens his heart, hardens his heart, hardens his heart, until finally God hardens his heart. And that's why we should avoid sin. We should hear the words of the first reading. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Sinning so that grace may abound actually brings us to the opposite goal. If we wantonly sin our consciences can become so seared, so full of spiritual scar tissue and spiritual fat that God actually gives us what we want. That God protect us from this awful fate. But as I said before, those cases make sense. 
But what about the case of Peter? Peter, in our third reading, is a believer. He may be stupid, he may be brash, he may be as unstable as water, but he is still a believer. He even wants to die with Jesus, which seems to be a good thing, right? So why does Jesus permit him to enter into temptation? Jesus knows, and he even tells us, that Satan wants to sift Peter like wheat. And just as wheat, after the first treading out, was winnowed and then shaken in a sieve to separate the grain from the chaff, so Satan would take a hold of the disciples, especially Peter, to sift them by means of afflictions and furious temptations. He would make use of God's permission to the very limit. The passion of our Lord would bring trial, fear, and terror upon them. And then the devil would use every opportunity to winnow that faith out of their hearts. All disciples of Christ should remember that in days of trouble and distress that their adversary, the devil, will take advantage of that fact, will attempt to devour them. So, did Jesus lead Peter into temptation? I mean, Jesus could have stopped him. He was almighty. Why didn't Jesus make Peter fall asleep in the upper room? Why didn't Jesus just snap his fingers and supernaturally break Peter's leg? I mean, wouldn't that have been better? Wouldn't that have been better than denying Christ three times? No, it wouldn't have been better. In fact, it would have been much, much worse. What does the explanation of the sixth petition teach us? We pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our flesh may not deceive us nor seduce us into misbelief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Peter's flesh had deceived Peter. Peter thought he was strong. He believed that by his own ability and strength he could stay by the Savior's side. Peter was wrong. If any Christian depends upon his own strength and his own ability, he is on the surest way to deny his Savior. And so Christ uses the devil to defeat the flesh. Satan wanted to sift Peter as wheat, and that destroyed Peter's misplaced confidence in his flesh, in his power, in his ability. The great shame and vice of denying Christ destroyed Peter's misbelief in himself. And isn't that what misbelief or false doctrine really is? Isn't it really a misunderstanding of who I am, of who you are? God uses temptation to bring about his victory. Our Lord Christ allowed a smaller temptation to, to annihilate a greater temptation. In short, Christ used the devil to destroy the flesh. A house divided really does fall. Peter fell into a ditch, so that way he wouldn't fall into the abyss. And having been saved from a greater temptation, Peter repents. He turns from his misbelief in his own power and ability. And now, having gained the great victory by losing, 
Peter turns and strengthens his brethren. He who is named Peter then finally lives up to the name. By temptation, Peter is turned into a rock. He who quaked before the servant girl now stands strong and immovable against the Sanhedrin. He who let his passions get the better of him remains calm and steadfast even while in chains. So what is the application here? We'll hear the words of the Apostle James. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Our Lord Jesus in his grace and mercy does not want you to go to hell because you believe false things about yourself. He does not want you to face the temptation that will finally drive you to despair, like poor Judas. No, Christ prays for you, as he prayed for Peter. He does not want your faith to fail. He wants your faith to be strengthened, purified, and lacking nothing. And so Jesus allows the devil to destroy the flesh in you, to drive you back to him and to his almighty and everlasting strength. For the devil is still the God's is still God's devil. And even though you are attacked by the sins of lust, the sins of doubt, sins of anxiety and the like, do not despair. Christ allows these temptations to kill your flesh. He allows these temptations to kill the, mis- the, the false beliefs you have about yourself so that you might gain and keep the eternal victory which he has won for you on the cross. And you have this victory now. You are more than a conqueror in him. But Christ does not want you to lose this victory. That's the thing. Our God, our Christ is almighty. If you are tempted then Jesus is allowing it. And if Jesus is allowing these things to tempt you, then this temptation is for your eternal good. The God who died to obtain for you salvation on the cross is the same God who prays for you even now. And he's praying that your faith fails not. He does not want you to fail. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to repent, to turn, and then strengthen your brethren with the words which St. Paul learned and which you too are learning through temptation. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God, through the Apostle John, says to the Philippians, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Our Lord Christ does not tempt you. The hour of trial which causes those to dwell on earth to stumble in the apocalypse shall be kept from you. God knows which trials shall strengthen you and which ones would destroy you. He is almighty, and he shall never destroy you because you were not destined for wrath, 
but to obtain salvation in Christ. And so know this, trust this, believe this. God tempts no one. Jesus tempts no one. And when trials and temptations come, persevere. Not in your own strength, as Peter tried to, but in Christ's strength. He prays for you still. And through these temptations, you too shall trample Satan under your feet and comfort your brethren with the gospel. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.